Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the annual 2021 Stormy Awards. Tonight's show will be run by Sarah White and her beautiful co-host, Josh. That's me. Oh my god, we love Sarah. Josh is the worst. Sarah's the best. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Oh my god, I wish 2021 Sarah. has been a great year in magic. And as we dish out this year's Stormy Awards, we're going to be delivering some hot takes, highlighting some mistakes, and dishing out some piss takes. So without further ado, the first category is best set. Sarah, what's your nomination? So, I have two. Well, initially, I was like, oh, just the whole Innistrad Crimson Vow, which is because werewolves and vampires super cool. So like but, the Innistrad block. Yes, the Innistrad block. Mm-hmm. But I think it's cow time. Okay, because, okay. Because it brought... I know it was the beginning of the year, so I was going to say it's had the most impact, but maybe it's because it's had the most time to have impact, but, you know, we got Goldspan Dragon, Toski, Orinclex, Epiphany, what? Like, some really <laughs> big, big cards Yeah. that are mm-hmm. still super powerful in many different formats now, yeah, even with all the other sets. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lot of uh, format-defining bombs came from Caldheim, actually. When you mm-hmm. think about it, so yeah, I think Caldheim is is my nomination. But a little honorable mention just because Illustrator is super cool. But I'm sure they'll come up in another category. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. And so, is that what you used to pick your nomination? Just the you know power level of the cards. Well, I tried to think about in two ways general impact on all of magic and also my personal faves and mm-hmm. goldspan dragon is one of my faves like just cards of this year yeah. and then when i started thinking about that then i thought about everything else in the set like coma like there's just so many ridiculous cards in cow time Yes. Yeah, this is true. This is true, now that I think about it. Um, my best set of 2021 was Strixhaven, though. I think that... Okay. Um, for me, it probably goes Strixhaven, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, Innistrad, then Kalheim. I'd say Kalheim is at the bottom. Um, I, it was close between... AFR second? Yeah, and for, it was close between AFR and Strixhaven. I think they're both just super fun, colourful, light-hearted, energetic sets. Um, mm. I, I really liked Innistrad. Um, but Strixhaven gave us a few very important things that I think are really good for Magic the Gathering. One, the Mystical Archives were a fantastic addition. Yeah to magic uh the artwork is just beautiful and they were much needed reprints and yeah they're just you know they totally refreshed some old staples they printed them into uh, a heavily printed set and i think that just ticks so many boxes for me new artwork powerful spells cheap reprints um Mm -hmm. they were like, they're quite inexpensive to buy in paper. They weren't ideal for Arena because commons like Duress um, were now uncommons. Uh, yeah. Which some people didn't like. Uh, but they're really nice art. Like I, I think Strixhaven was uh, really good for the Mystical Archives. Um, I also think that Strixhaven um, challenged the colour pie in a really important way that I think has completely opened up the design space for color pairs in future. Um, Mm. About a year ago, before Strixhaven came out, um, you know, it it kind of, the color pie was defined by the Ravnican guilds. Um, Strixhaven completely subverted that. It took all of the, you know, the the five, uh, is it the enemy? color pairs that are in Strixhaven um, and it gave them new mechanics and new ways of playing that they hadn't really used before and that sets a precedent for more flexibility in the color pie in the future and Mm. I think that's a really good thing so I really liked how Strixhaven subverted from the kind of Ravnican color pie 
Um, okay. The Mystical Archives were just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I didn't like Kaldheim because I didn't like the alternate art. Um, like the yeah, heavy the metal alternate style arts. alternate art I thought was pretty... I don't know. That, that's personal. I feel like it... But I... I agree that it is personal taste, but I also feel like it missed the mark a little bit. I think it could have been so much cooler with the brief and the type of the set. I kind of feel like it was yeah. a bit mm-hmm. lazy. I think it I could agree. have been so cool. I really like the borders on some of the alternate art cards in Kaldheim. There's sort of like Norse wooden carving um, yes. borders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I don't really like a lot of the the artwork. But that is personal taste, and I guess I I do think that when it comes to alternate art and sets, it shouldn't have mass appeal. It should be out there, and mm-hmm. it should you know I think it should be something like that's really really cool for people who like it. Uh, and if you yeah. don't, you don't. Whatever it's it's alternate art. Um, I also didn't really like Kaldheim because. I just felt like the lore and the story was so undeveloped. Uh, you know, controversially, I'm going to say that I think, looking back on 2021, we should have spent two sets in Kaldheim, not in Innistrad. Okay. I think that the entire story of Innistrad could have been done in one set. Like, we could have had a Werewolves and Vampires set. The Werewolves set, Midnight Hunt, didn't really have many werewolves. Um, mm. And they definitely, I think they could have done... Innistrad in one set, and we should have had two sets on Kaldheim exploring um, the many different realms on, on Kaldheim. I think there are there are actually ten realms of Kaldheim, um, okay. each one relevant to a different um, two-color pair. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of them? Well, I'm not really big on the whole magic lore. <laughs> yeah, th- this is my point. Nobody or, does. Like, I guess I'm a little bit more now, because what I was going to say with the splitting of the Innistrad set, I think it's because they just wanted to tell two really cool stories and they felt like they couldn't tell all of it in one set. Like, Which I, feel like, I totally get. Um, yeah. But I think that Kaldheim was, is this huge, like... Okay, so Strixhaven. Do you think it could have been told in two sets though? Because maybe Kaldheim is something that we should just visit more. Well, I think often. It not once have been a year because that'd be a bit boring. So Strixhaven, for example, um, felt like a much more complete set to me, a, a more well explored set, and that was five different factions. You had each of the colleges, mm. um, which was associated with one color pair each. Um, Kaldheim was ten; it was double. It was ten yeah. different factions, and there just weren't enough. There wasn't enough. It was just too much, I think, for the whole set to explore, you know, from a design perspective. So what yeah, I'm talking about by, by realms is, um, um, and you'll, you'll if you go back and look at some of the Kaldheim cards, you'll see, uh, but blue-white in Kaldheim was the colours of Istfel, um, and blue-black were the colours of Carfel. Uh, and then you had Axgard, I think, um, and I literally can't remember any of the others. And this is what I mean. Everybody remembers the Strixhaven Colleges. Um, everybody remembers the Ravnican Guilds because we've been to Ravnica so many times. Nobody mm-hmm. remembers the Kaldheim Realms because they just glossed over it very quickly. Yeah, it's too much. Mm-hmm. The Strixhaven so, was quite neat because it was just schools. Like, yeah. it was. it was a really cool way to do it. It was a really... Yeah, they didn't need much more. I think they maybe will do the five other color pairings, maybe if they wanted to go back to Strixhaven. Yeah, yeah. but it if was they, if we yeah exactly. That was a perfect amount for a set, but I think Kaldheim. But then how how do you do it with a set massive like Kaldheim with so much lore and all these different realms? Do you think it could have even been done in two sets? Maybe not, but it wouldn't have felt. Uh, completely un like it's just, it was just unmemorable, and it would have been mm. more memorable if it took up half the year and we spent longer in Kaldheim. Uh, I yeah. also think that snow ended up not being as impactful as I think I would have liked. I would have liked more snow stuff, more options for snow in Commander, just more snow being printed, bring the price of those lands all the way down forever. Uh, And two straight sets in Kaldheim 
would have given because the problem with snow was that it can become overpowered very very quickly snow mm -hmm. stuff is banned in a bunch of different formats because it can be really strong um two consecutive kaldheim sets would have given wizards the chance to print something like kaldheim realize that snow could have done with a little bit of a boost um and then amended it and adjusted uh, you know course corrected a bit for that second kaldheim set um because what we've ended up two with... sets back to back wouldn't have wouldn't have that effect though because like obviously they make them pretty much at the same time Yes, but they can still course correct. They, they, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that they do last minute course correction. Um, like I wouldn't be surprised if after the feedback about how bad werewolves was in Midnight Hunt, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that influenced some of the werewolves from Crimson Vow. Um, and there are a lot of good ones. I guess um, that does make, that makes sense. But there mm -hmm. was only like, what, weeks between... The two sets, I can't imagine new cards were entirely invented in that time. No, but I mean course correction. I mean, like, it doesn't take much to just slightly tweak a card. Um, so think things like Paxong Pup and... Um, is it Tenacious Pup? Is that the name of the new... The alchemy yeah. green card? I mean, that's, that's an alchemy card, which is even easier to adjust. Uh, so I guess that is a, a pretty bad example, actually. Um, but... I'm trying to think, so what I'm trying to say is is s tiny corrections in like mana cost or ability can completely change a card. As we've seen in Alchemy, yeah. you know, the changes, the nerfs that we've seen delivered to existing cards in Alchemy like Omnath are really minor. Um, mm. You know, they've changed, all, they've kept all of Omnath's abilities. They've given him one, he costs one extra mana. When he enters the battlefield, he scries instead of drawing a card. And that has really changed the power level of the card. Yeah, so I suppose it depends know, tiny how far in advance make a big they print cards, though, I suppose. Yes. I get what you're saying, but it depends if they don't... Like, at what point do they print a set? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um... That's a good question, and I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe there isn't that time to do course correction. But uh, that would but... that would make sense as to why the vampire half of Innistrad had overall better werewolves than the crimson, um, the the midnight hunt one. Although it basically mm -hmm. was just zombies, really. That was the main yeah. takeaway. Yeah, there were a lot of zombies as well, and and you know that was um, and now of course we did want to see some of the zombies and stitches and stuff from Innistrad. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know if people would have really complained if Innistrad was really focused on, like, was one set really focused on vampires and werewolves, and they cut all of the extra stuff and the zombie stuff and the Toxrill Grolnock stuff. Um, yeah. And, and then just instead, Kaldheim was two set. sets. Yeah, yeah. Kaldheim was two sets, and we really got to explore Kaldheim more. Um, we started to, you know, really familiarize ourselves with the uh the colors and stuff because mm -hmm. i just yeah i think that kaldheim was too much packed into one set it was a really fleshed out world and we just didn't i just don't think we got enough of it maybe that True. means that we'll revisit it in future but we know we're not revisiting it in 2022 yeah um and by the time I don't know, I, I, like maybe maybe wizards did that so that they can continue to reprint snow every few years to keep the costs low. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think Strixhaven was the best set, and, and actually for those reasons, Kaldheim was my worst. I'm surprised that AFL was second for you because I feel like, and if you listen back to previous episodes, we we didn't really know what was going on with AFR. I mean, obviously you can change your mind after the fact, but like that. I put it as my worst set, pure and simply, because it totally passed me by. Like, yeah. I know that it's played now, and I play against it, you know, on Arena somewhat. But, yeah, I I don't really feel like it had any impact when it came out. Maybe this is just personal to us, but, like, if you remember, yeah. we, we didn't really have a lot to say about it. Well, this is true. Um, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms is my least played set this year and my least collected set this year. Um, mm. And it did kind of just pass me by. Now, I think we have to remember that Adventures of the Forgotten Realms replaced the core set this year. And yeah. core sets are normally like 
they're not really anything super exciting. They're it's just, like a filler set, isn't it? Yeah, they're just they're just you know they're just a bunch of cards. Um, and AFR replaced that, and so I think that the set was designed to be quite core set e in that mm. you know it didn't it didn't generate as much hype. Um, that said, I really loved uh, what they did with AFR and the universes beyond stuff. Like, I really loved seeing D and D characters, uh, famous D and D characters, like and creatures like the um, Beholders and uh, and the Illithids printed into magic cards um, mm. and given new artwork. Magic is uh, so amazing when it comes to producing artwork um, and getting that that the magic treatment for D D, you know um characters i, I think mm-hmm. was really cool i think it was just it was heavily nostalgic for D D players it was very creative i loved the uh the lands the basic lands you know they, they were like they had story prompts on them um oh yeah uh, yeah they had like yes, yeah, adventure yeah. prompts on them uh and i loved the the use you the you cards yeah, you happen upon a glade. You happen upon a glade. You see a guard approach, um, and how they, you know, they were choice cards. You'd have two different options, mm-hmm. and it would be like you see a guard approach, and I don't know something like hide or um, bribe him or, or something like that. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I think I think you're right. I think it's super cool for D and D players, and maybe the placement of it, it being in the time that the core set would come out, kind of squashed it a little bit because i remember and i've never played D, but you know i watch critical role and obviously like a fair few people in our play group have played D before so i know a bit about it so i was quite excited for it and then i feel like i just blinked and it was gone yeah mm-hmm. i think i i agree i don't know whether it was maybe related to lockdown lifting in the uk and so we kind of maybe ended up doing things we other playing. than magic I'm but then we sure. just sort of played magic in public rather than in private. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what happened around that time. But we, I, I definitely, it's my least played set, but I still really love the set. Okay. But that is a lot of talking about the first the first award. Mm-hmm. So Do where does the award can, go? Yeah, can we come to a decision? Because... Uh, I don't know, because I do agree. Strixhaven was... A very cool set. The the colors, color pie being diff like different was really cool. I loved Witherbloom, but but Goldspan Dragon. Goldspan Dragon. I and Auron's Epiphany, a Seeker's Chariot. Those are all cards that I don't think were actually healthy um, for the format. Well, like, not they're, Epiphany. They're cool cards. Extra but... turns are just lame. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. Fifty turns in a row. They were like a high-powered set is inevitable, and it, you do need them. But I think that Kaldheim gave us a bunch of cards that were too strong. Um, mm. A bunch of snow that I don't think was strong enough. A bunch of realms that weren't very memorable. Alternate art that wasn't super impressive, and one of my least favorite new mechanics in Fortel. Like Fortel so is your least a, favorite. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I don't want to spoil your answer for a, a further question, but I feel like that was not the same as what your original answer for mechanic was going to be, but I feel like it sort of does a similar... Like, I'm, I'm just surprised that that's your least favourite. Right, well, we'll come back to that um, later. So, Sarah, are you going to concede and admit that Strixhaven is the best set of the year? I don't know, you know. Because no. I don't disagree... I, I kind of agree with everything you said about Coldhide, but I don't think that makes it the worst set. And I, but I okay. did really like Strixhaven. Then it is down to the viewers to break the tie. Hmm. Uh, which was the worst set of... Wait, no, best. The best set of 2021. Was it Strixhaven best. or was it Kaldheim or, or was it something else? Tweet us your answer. Or another set, yeah. You, you don't yeah. have to pick one of ours. Tweet us your answer at ChatterstormPod. The set that gets the most votes will win. But I, I firmly believe Strixhaven, uh, and I think definitely not Kaldheim. Um, and you firmly, you, you still think Kaldheim? Well, I don't. I'm not sort of like, you're sort of very 
Well, it's obviously my answer. Kaldheim's obviously the worst. I'm not yeah. that strong. <laughs> I think they're both good sets, but I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm more happy for them to share the award than I am to say that Strixhaven is better than Kaldheim. No, 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 no. Strixhaven isn't sharing uh, with. Strixhaven will could share with AFR. Maybe it could share with Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow as a block, but Strixhaven will not share with with Kaldheim. That's just insulting. Uh, so I guess we're going to need we're going to need a tiebreaker. Do you, do you not ever worry about you know how awful you come across in this podcast on a regular basis? Are you asking me that off air? No, on air. Oh, okay. I mean that's a pretty intense question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can cut it out, but you're just like, oh no no no. Obviously your answer is stupid. Obviously I am the smartest one, and my answer is the best. Yes. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm coming through clearly. Um, so anyway, best commander of 2021 uh, is the next category. Sarah, who are you mm-hmm. nominating? I actually found this one quite difficult because I didn't want to pick a commander that I hadn't either played or played against. Because how do I know if it's really good? Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of cool legendary creatures that came out this year there are a lot of cool ones that when i was looking through the list i was like oh that would make a really cool commander but uh, i haven't played against it or i haven't played it so i'm choosing from cards i've played against yeah um which actually isn't very many um i think we have in our playgroup three decks that have uh piloted by cards that have come out this year mm-hmm. which is Cody Vociferous Codex um, the Prismatic Bridge I can't remember what it is on the other side but it is the, 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 of the, tree. the Prismatic Bridge is the what the technical commander of that and then the um, Tovala deck yeah mm-hmm. Tovala Dire Overlord yes so I think Based on out of those three, I think it's Tovala because, and again, this is very personal because this is um, Sammy, the mm-hmm. other member who is not here with us today. It's his deck and he kitted it out with the sleeves and the deck box and it's just super powerful and really fun to play Yeah, and kind of fun to play against as well. So yeah, I'm taking a very limited pool for this because I felt mm-hmm. that was fair rather than just going, oh, hey, that's a cool legendary creature. So I'm picking Tobler. So my nomination is um, Guillaume, which I have somewhere. Yeah, I don't even know who or what that is. So my nomination is Guillaume Masterchef. Um, So we're going to read through a lot of cards and we're not going to actually read them out this episode because there's too many, but we will summarize what they do. Um, Guillaume is a Golgari commander that uh, is focused on food. Um, So you can sacrifice food to make your creatures indestructible um, and he generates food as well. And I really like this card. I I like Golgari as a color pair. Um, And... His name is Guillaume Masterchef, which is kind of a play on words um, because it rhymes with the name Guillaume, as in the French Guillaume. Um, And he's a chef, so it's kind of like high cuisine, except he's cooking with, you know, horrible ingredients because he's a troll warlock, which I just think is funny. I really like food as a mechanic. I think it's super cool. Um, I thought you were going to stop with, I really like food. <laughs> I, I, I like food too. Uh, I just, I think that Guillaume is a super flavorful commander, which makes sense because he is a chef. Um, oh I, I love wordplay. Uh, and so him being called Guillaume uh, and that rhyming with Guillaume, uh, it's just super funny. Um, to me. I don't think it's rhyming if it's, the same word no it's not the same word it's you not said the same, the same, word. same thing twice you said yeah. guillaume two, two words can guillaume. sound the same sarah it's so guillaume is g-y-o-m-e and guillaume is g-u-i-l-l-a-u-m-e 
Two different words. He's got that in front of him, by the way, guys. He doesn't know that off the top of his head. I do not have that in front of me. I know how to spell words. Nah. (laughs) Um, Well, I do have Guillaume in front of me, actually. uh, The the card, uh, because I'm reading it. Um, Super fun card. I think it's just, you know, it's it's wordplay. Um, It's a kind of quirky commander mechanic. And it's also Mm -hmm. flexible. Like, because it makes food and uses food you could play this as your commander and then just play a golgari deck and it would be fine um Mm -hmm. and i think that that's super fun uh for commander uh and i don't like tovalar for that reason tovalar pretty much has to be wolves and werewolves like it yeah i like restrict your deck building i like tribal decks though yeah so i think i think that's the difference i I yeah don't really like tribal decks I don't know if I like that tribal decks aren't the only type of commander deck, but I don't like what you just said about, oh, well, you know, you can just play any Golgari deck and have him as the commander because that doesn't feel very fun. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, yeah. it doesn't have to be tribal, but I like a bit of a theme. I like, yeah, I, I like something going on with the deck rather than, well, he does he does this so I can have the colours, but the deck is actually this. Kind of like your flicker deck, I guess. Even though Rune had a flicker ability, we realised after playing it for a while that actually he just gave you the colours rather than yeah mm-hmm. anything. And I'm yeah, I, I like it when the commander is a bit more involved in the deck, I suppose. Okay. Um, I think it's important to get Sammy's opinion on this because whilst well, he's not on the podcast today, um, he does have a top of our commander deck. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm going to run through what Sammy thinks. So Sammy actually thinks that Tovalar is very heavily pushed for EDH, which takes away from his uh, enjoyment of the card. Uh, One of the issues with aggro in EDH is that it doesn't draw cards and having to kill three other players who are drawing cards just puts you at such a massive disadvantage. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Sammy feels like the... They wizards addressed the issue of aggro tribal commanders not giving you any card advantage by just slapping draw a ton of cards onto Tobola. Um, he draws mm-hmm. you a card for every wolf or werewolf that hits a player, um, and he thinks that, that could have done could have been done better. There could have been a more interesting way to give you card advantage with Tobola rather than just deal damage, draw card. Um, yeah. Which I totally get, you know, uh, you know, well, we, we need to think of a way for aggro decks to have card advantage. Okay, well, they like to attack. So when they attack, draw a card. Like, that is about as simply as, as, as you could put it. And it could be something more complicated. Um, you know, something even like uh, maybe when Tovalar deals, or when, when Wolves or Wells, you control deal combat damage to a creature, not a player then you draw cards. Because that way, if you're being blocked, you're drawing cards, you're getting card advantage. If you're not being blocked, you're hitting a player directly. And so mm-hmm. you're kind of either way, You're maybe you're a little bit happy. Maybe it exiles cards instead of drawing them and you can play them that turn, um, which is, you know, card advantage, but without giving you, like, not quite as good as drawing a card. Um, mm-hmm. Like, th- there's a lot of options. And uh, Sammy feels that Tovala was actually just a bit uncreative um when it comes to designing a card that gets around the normal issues that aggro commander tribal decks have okay so that's our two nominations some type of nomi chef thing and tovala he is a Um, troll warlock i know (laughs) thank you very much um i don't know again with this one i don't really think that it's yours but actually, I definitely don't think it's yours because I think whilst it's a kind of cool card, I don't think it can be the best commander because you literally said in talking about it, oh, you know, you can just play any Golgari deck. And I just don't really feel like that's what commander is. Um, so it's not that. However, after what you've said about Tovalar, I don't think it's Tovalar either. So shall we just give it to Cody, the book? And move on? Um, 
I'm not sure how we've arrived at that conclusion. <laughs> but sure, that seems like the level of bullshit unfairness that you often get with award ceremonies of high caliber. So I guess we should do the same. Well, I'm just not sold on either answer now. Yeah, so we'll just go with something that's definitely the crowd pleaser. Um, Cody gets it because he's a real neat five-color commander that lets you do some cool stuff. Lets you, yeah, lets you cheat out. Well, I, I don't. I'm, I guess you can play it in different ways, but the way that it's played in our play group is to. Um, it's a polymorph deck. Polymorph, because I was. <laughs> I've been watching Harry Potter, so I was going to say transmogrify. Transmogrify is a polymorph. Is also card. oh okay yeah that okay, good that it lets you that creatures, and it is pretty <laughs> cool, um and I can't I can't give it to your chef I just can't okay and I don't All think right. it should be Fine. I don't think it should be Tovelar either now because I hadn't thought about that card draw thing but Sammy is right it's kind of lazy yeah and whatever if Cody, I'd have... Cody can have the Stormy Award congratulations Cody take it down. Statue. Oh God, someone's, someone doesn't there. take losing very well, do they? <laughs> okay, so for the next Stormy, we're going to talk about our favourite pre-cons from this year. So Josh, what, uh, what did you pick? I picked Lawhold Legacies, the Strixhaven commander deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've said a lot of this before, so I won't focus on it too much, but... Lawhold Legacies comes with um, Osgir the Reconstructor in the commander slot. And I think that it runs an alternate commander in uh, Alibu, probably. Uh, Alibu Ancient Witness. Um, and I think that this deck is my nomination because it is a red-white deck, uh, which is famously terrible. In commander again I've, I've said this all before but before mm-hmm. this year red white did one thing and it was pretty bad in commander it was very underpowered um yeah whereas lawhold legacies turns red white from aggro into this kind of grindy artifact based strategy and i think that mm-hmm. that kind of um that redirection of the of the color pie was super important for making red-white a viable strategy in Commander. Uh, so I think that Lawhold Legacies actually had a really positive impact on the viability of decks in Commander. And so that's why it's my my pre-con of the year. Okay. Um, well, I already think I'm going to pick you because your answer is better. Um, but mine is Undead Unleashed because super cool zombies. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> well, I think as as the the more episodes of this video, I think we realize more and more what type of players we are. And I I do like tribal decks. Mm. I do. They're just cool, and I, I like this deck particularly. We have it in our play group. Um, I like the um, yeah. I I think it's quite strong for a out of the box tribal precon which i feel like could be really weak because mm-hmm. you could just put in i guess less thought could go into it because it's a zombie deck right so you just put zombies in when your product's sorted but i think it's actually really strong and not a lot of not not a lot of precons are. i think that's unfair some precons aren't and i think if a precon was ever gonna be weak it would be a tribal one because it's easy to just chuck a bunch of zombies in and say there you go and i don't yeah. think this was that i think this this was really strong and it it stood up out of the box obviously it gets better as you make upgrades but i think it was really good yeah as it came yeah i can definitely agree with that i really like the colors um i don't really have uh i'm 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 not a big fan of tribal decks but this deck was really cool it was Mm -hmm. really strong out of the box uh it came with some important reprints like talisman of dominance which was like a nine dollar card before this it was printed in this um this pre-con um, and, you know, it comes with really cool cards like uh, Rooftop Storm. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a cool strategy. It's a cool tribe that got a lot of support. Uh, I, I do think this was a cool pre-con. Um, yeah, I, I did like this one. I guess I just, I think that this was a good pre-con. Definitely. 
can agree with that. Mm-hmm. I can understand the nomination. Uh, but I think that Lawhorde Legacies just gave a new lease of life to Red White in Commander. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I, I think I'm going to give it to you anyway because I think your answer is better. Although I did try and like not pick all things from the same set as in like all my categories yeah this is this is true i've been pretty uh, i've been a bit of a strixhaven fanboy yeah so. like your your reasonings regarding strixhaven are great but they are so far all the same which is you know exactly what you just said now that it well, was a good set it just, <laughs> yeah no yeah. i know I, I know and i get that but like i think yeah i just tried to not pick all from one set mm-hmm. so that there was a bit more variety but, but I will give you this one. Well, the the good thing here is that Osgir, the Reconstructor, can take his Stormy Award. Uh, he can pay one mana and sacrifice it and give a creature plus two plus O till end of turn. And then he can actually pay X and tap to exile his Stormy Award from the graveyard and create two tokens that are copies of it and give one to Wilhelm, the Rock Cleaver. So they can Cute. both have a Stormy Award. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Um, okay, the next category. <laughs> the next category is best new mechanic. Mm-hmm. What have you got for me, Sarah? I picked Magecraft. Okay. I uh, so again, I, I was looking at um, all the mechanics that came out this year, and actually, like quite a lot of cool ones did. I found this one quite difficult. Um, initially, I was like, oh, day night is really cool but then a part of me i think was just because that's the most recent thing that we've seen Mm -hmm. Um, but i do like day night because well i just like value and two things being on one and the the whole point of day night is that cards have two sides Mm -hmm. so i do like that but if i think about the mechanic that i've had the most fun with this year it is magecraft and it is in my little wither doom Dina standard deck that I built. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Magecraft was, it was just a really cool mechanic, a little like yeah, I don't really have much else to say about it. But it was from Strixhaven, so I'm hoping you'll let me take this one because yeah, you're a big old Strixhaven lover. What makes it better than another mechanic though? Because there are a lot of cool mechanics this year. What makes it better? Mm. I don't know. I win one with it a lot. <laughs> okay, right. So it's totally personal <laughs> preference. This is pure nepotism. <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm picking my nomination. As I said, I <laughs> okay, have fair. chosen to do these awards on a personal level. Yeah. Um, my best mechanic is blood. Um, okay. Because I think that. So I think that blood was super underrated. Um, Coming off of the back of clues, which were printed in Midnight Hunt, which are two mana, sacrifice, draw a card. Blood, Mm -hmm. which is one mana, draw a card, discard a card, then draw a card. Yeah. um, Seemed really weak, but it's actually super strong. It's really good in um, limited. It's not super good in standard, but it's really good in commander. And Mm -hmm. it uh, synergizes so well with madness, which was a, a set mechanic from historically like old mid, uh, yeah. old Innistrad sets. Um, and I think that it was very well done because it looked so weak and it's turned out to be a lot better than we thought it would be. That's true. Which I think, I think that's a sign of a well-designed card. When you read it and it sounds bad and then it turns out to be pretty good. Um, I, th- mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I like it when that happens. Um, yeah, and they've done more with blood as well. I don't think they've done this with the clues, but there's a lot of vampires that sacrifice three blood tokens and deal like two times that damage yeah. to a creature or a player. Like they've they've done a bit. Blood is very thematic with vampires, obviously, and I think they have they've put a lot of thought into not just the blood tokens, which is is an okay tap one replace a card essentially, mm-hmm. but also what you can do with the tokens if. If you don't want to um, sacrifice them, like there's even one where, I can't remember what the card's called, but every time it attacks, your opponent gets 
a blood token and then I think you can sacrifice a creature and then deal that much damage to them again or something like that. But it's just, I, I agree, blood is, it was weak when it came out, especially after Clue, I think we said in one of the episodes. It's just not as good, is it? Deal that much damage to them is, uh, I think, Catapult Master. Um, uh, Maybe. Whenever it attacks, your opponent makes a blood, is Blood Vile Purveyor. So I think we're getting two different wires across there. Um, no, I think but... it's on one card. Oh, you think so? Okay. I, can't, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but you are totally right. So there are also a it. bunch of ways to kind of use blood as a resource other than what it, uh, what it says on the token, which is mm-hmm. super good. Uh, Magecraft, though, I do think is super cool. I think it's kind of a reimagining of prowess, and it is very spell-slinger heavy, which, yeah, I, I think it really fit the, the theme of Strixhaven. Um, it gave us, you know, something like prowess. In some ways, it pretty much gave us prowess. With with um, cards like Leon and Lightscribe, it mm-hmm. just gave us access to prowess again. Uh, with cards like, like it was just such a versatile mechanic. On Sedgemore Witch, it builds your board. On uh, something like Witherbloom Apprentice, it gives you card filtering. I think, or is it drain? No, um, um, with the room apprentices, it drains. It drains, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so Magecraft lets you turn your, like, it it gives you so many new angles of attack for a spell slinger strategy. And it's super versatile Mm -hmm. um, and suits loads of different play styles. So when Prowess was put in place, it really only suited aggressive play styles. Prowess is only good if you're attacking, really. Uh, Whereas Magecraft flipped that on its head and kind of made a prowess that does not depend on you attacking, um, which I think was yeah. pretty pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give it to you this time, Sarah. I'm pretty sold on Magecraft now. I think looking back, and I am I, I, I do think Strixhaven was just a really good set, uh, but looking back, yes. Mage, Magecraft was super versatile. Uh, Blood is really cool, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a black-red a little bit white you know it's only in part of the color pie magecraft mm-hmm. is in every color and that makes it a better mechanic i think it's got mass appeal basically so we're just realizing that you just love strixhaven well so, yeah the, you the way, the way to... i knew this already <laughs> uh, but magecraft gets the stormy which unfortunately is an artifact and doesn't trigger magecraft um, Have you got a joke for um for all of these? I've I hope got so. A joke by the way, for everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's reading the next one? Uh, I guess me. So, ready? Yep. Oh. Okay. So up next, do it again. So up next, we have law, and this can be card law or set law just anything law related that interested you this year so josh what did you pick so i picked um toxrill and grolnock from the uh from innistrad uh crimson vow i don't think uh-huh. they were in uh, midnight hunt uh, but toxrill definitely wasn't i'm, I'm not sure on yeah. the other one uh grolnock the omnivore uh, and uh, Toxrill... The Corrosive? The Corrosive, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, it, so the story here is just so... It's just so ridiculous that I love it. Um, <laughs> okay, I don't know so, the specific story, so yeah, take it away. So there's a place in Innistrad called Nefalia, um, and there are multiple cults that live in Nefalia. Two of these cults had a... Um, a, a big rivalry. Um, they're called the Temple of Toxrill and the Spawn of Grolnok. Now, the Temple of Toxrill are uh, a cult that worships Toxrill, this ancient slug god horror. Um, and Imagine. the Spawn of Grolnok worship... Um, I, I think they actually worship... Yeah, I, I think it is a frog called Grolnok. Uh, like uh, again, it's sort of an, an avatar f- frog, frog god called called Grom, um, mm-hmm. and so 
all we know is that the um, the Temple of Toxril somehow summoned an avatar of their god, which is Toxril the Corrosive. Um, okay. In an attempt to destroy the uh, the spawn of Grolnok. Mm-hmm. So the spawn of Grolnok bought a frog spawn from a traveling merchant who claimed that the frog spawn was the offspring of the Gitrog monster. That frog okay. spawn hatched into Grolnok the Omnivore, which they claimed was Grolnok reborn. And the two cults kind of went to war against each other with a with a giant slug and a frog. And I just like this whole side story was happening. Yeah, while, I was gonna like, I was just thinking, I was like, that's so great. You've got the whole like human werewolf thing going on and then even like human vampires to a certain extent and then it's just like slug versus frog yeah like they're they're just (laughs) doing their thing in nefalia worshipping i don't know weird slimy creatures and then all of a sudden there's no sun anymore and none of them stopped (laughs) none of them stopped to ask where's the the sun where's the sun yeah Um, they just carry on with their yeah, like there are werewolves and <laughs> vampires running around. There's, like the, the the plane is in the literal into- sun disappears. Like the <laughs> yeah. sun. Um, imagine, imagine how like self-involved you'd have to yeah. be and to not notice so, that the sun is gone. So focused on this minor scale, like th- <laughs> so. This is the equivalent to um, the neighborhood watches of two different streets. Going- <laughs> yeah. Like going to war, having disagreements about you know where the where this street ends and that street ends. Like it's just so meaningless. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so unimportant and so trivial, but it's hilarious and stupid. Um, and yeah, that, it's my favorite law for this year. Uh, I think that this year has been. I think I guess a little bit light on magic law, uh, but this particular piece of law is just so stupid and a bit yeah, ridiculous. That's great. I think it gave Innistrad a light-hearted edge, which it definitely needed, because Innistrad, while a great set, is a pretty gloomy set. Hmm. Okay. Well, my pick was actually just Innistrad, just the lore in general from both the sets, because I just thought it was super cool. So mm. I feel like that means I win, because your one is included <laughs> in mine, right? That's what that means. Yeah. Yep, well, there we go. Yeah, I guess I can't really... Um... You can't tell me mine is wrong because uh-huh. yours yeah. is in mine. Well, in that case, um, I, I do think, you know, my, my other my other choice for this was uh, Runo Stromkirk. So, again, everything's happening on Innistrad. All this mm-hmm. stuff is going down. Um, and Runo Stromkirk, who is a vampire uh, of the Stromkirk house, he's mm-hmm. a pirate vampire. And he sails out to sea. I mean, sea. that's just dope, isn't it? It is like dope. A pirate vampire. Um, and he tries to awaken and successfully awakens um, Crothus, this ancient Leviathan Lord of the Deep, this kind of Lovecraftian horror tentacly monster. Uh, mm-hmm. Who, as of now, I don't think we have seen Crothus be defeated yet. And so Crothus is raising krakens uh, like Hullbreaker Horror and yeah. is just causing absolute mayhem over the seas in Innistrad. And so I just have this like top-down view of Innistrad with all the stuff that is story relevant and metaverse relevant happening. And then there's Runo just making big fish over here and mm. the Nepalian cults making slugs yeah. and frogs over here. And they're just so... See, and, and you said they could have done the Innistrad in one set. How could they? Where would there have been room for the pirates and the slugs and the frogs and the crackers? Yes, yes, this is true. These super the critical important things. Yeah. Of the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, is yeah. why I picked Innistrad Law because it's, I mean, it's just horror, isn't it? But it's all different types of horror. It's all different types of monsters and ghouls. And it's just great. Like, I'm not particularly fussed about the wedding. Olivia's a bit of a bitch. But. The rest of it's really cool, and all these little extras are great. <laughs> I did really like the main uh, story of Innistrad. Um, 
I really like the law behind, you know, how the vampires came to be. Well, I won't dive into that now. I, I, maybe I'll do that in a future episode if, thing, if the news is slow. Uh, but I, I do really like the, <laughs> the, the law of Innistrad. Um, if we're and, boring, tune in for a story about yeah. <laughs> vampires. In um, like when it comes to cards and stuff, uh, like Sigarda's uh, Imprisonment, I think is just such a hardcore card for like an artwork law perspective it's like it's mm-hmm. Sagada, she's been captured you know avacyn is dead cathilda's mm-hmm. been murdered um Sigarda now leads the angels and then all of a sudden we get this card where she is presented as a gift at the wedding by olivia mm-hmm. to the markov family and that you know um the uh, yeah so Sagada's imprisonment you can trap a creature and then you can pay mana and exile the creature and make it blood and that's the mm-hmm. idea. Skada's trapped and she's going to be turned into blood. Uh, now, story spoiler, she escapes. Uh, but Yay. it's just a very, you know, it's a very cool card. And, you, you know, seeing the only hope that Innistrad has, the most, probably the, the most, the strongest angel in Innistrad now, mm-hmm. um, trapped again, it's just, it really drives home the sense of hopelessness um, that was really um that was elaborated on at the end of midnight hunt's story you know mm-hmm. it all seems like we're, they're gonna succeed uh they're gonna get that is it the moon silver key and and um like i don't know switch the celestas to day mode or whatever um, yeah but then olivia ambushes and kills katilda and steals the key and it stays as night and it's hopeless and they have this big uphill battle and then Sagada is trapped and it just I, I do really like stories where the good guys just get shit thrown at them from every angle and Sigarda's mm-hmm. imprisonment was another um just another like oh my god now this has happened like we just yeah. cannot catch a break so uh, yeah, yeah like, I, I would agree. I would watch I would watch a tv show a tv series just set in Innistrad <laughs> yeah, yeah. we can have a little side episodes for you know your guy at the sea and your slug frog people <laughs> it'd be such a slow fight between a frog and a slug <laughs> well i mean frogs are pretty fast i feel like the frog i feel like the frog would take it right well toxrill is a much better card <laughs> yes to- toxrill is an insane card but if we're talking about speed there is still a slug yes yeah that's true um <laughs> so <Sorry>. Innistrad <laughs> takes the Stormy for best law. The whole yeah. of Innistrad. Um, the whole of Innistrad. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. you don't have to pick something really specific. Sometimes you can just appreciate the greatness of a whole plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. The next category is best non-permanent. Sarah, what was your best non-permanent? Of 2021. Josh, my best non-permanent of 2021 was... I'm going to stop that voice because it's actually horrible. Yeah. Again, this was kind of tricky. So then I thought about games I'd played and things that had happened. And I settled on um, Blasphemous Act, which is the eight and a red sorcery that um deals 13 damage to each creature but it costs one less for each creature on the battlefield Mm -hmm. and i picked this because i'm mainly a commander player and what that essentially is in a multiplayer game of commander is a one mana board wipe Mm -hmm. and that's just great yeah and i bet it feels great like i've had it played against me a few times and when someone can just play a single red mana and just get rid of everyone's board the power of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I want to have that card just for that reason. The only deck it would be relevant in, well, the only deck I'd be able to play it in is a creature-heavy deck, so it wouldn't really be very good because mm-hmm. um, it'd be in Rin and Seri for me. But it's just great. Why the mana? Everything's dead. And then you just get the satisfaction of being like, ha, it's meant to cost me nine, but it cost me one because all of you play just stupid creatures. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blasphemous Act is definitely a commander staple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a uh, super impactful card. It's quite a unique um, board wipe as well. Yeah. I mean, actually, we say that, but uh, there was a board wipe printed this year 
which costs one less or costs less for the number of creatures. It's like a white card. Um, oh, yeah. The, um, yeah. I do know what you mean. But I can't I remember it. Um, no, because when you say white board wipe, I just think um, Doob Scar, which is obviously not what it is. No, but you no, are no. right. Uh, it might there be an alchemy card, one. actually. It, it, I think it is an oh, alchemy Oh, maybe. Um, but my nomination for best instant or sorcery is blot out the sky because um, I think yeah okay. this is just it's just a really cool card. Uh, yeah. Blot out the sky for so many reasons. I really love this card. Um, one and and actually foremost, first and foremost, the wordplay. Um, so blot out the sky makes a ton of inklings. Mm-hmm. Inkling made of ink. Blot out the sky. Get it, guys. So it's yep, yeah, and they they have flying uh, and yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. It, I just I love the wordplay. I respect the wordplay. Um, it's a super powerful spell. It's uh, it can make a lot of inklings, and then yeah. can you know, it, it's a super powerful effect. It's a mythic. It's from Strixhaven best set, um, <laughs> and I think that. It just, it's one of those cards that has an effect and a name that evokes a sense of awe in me when I think about this occurring in the story. So this is a point in the story where the uh, the Auric led by Extus were leading an attack on the Strixhaven campus. And mm-hmm. um, um, th- this, you know, Blood Out the Sky was a part of their defense. Um, and I just think about this, you know, horde of inklings blotting out the sun. And it reminds me of all those amazing shots in, uh, like, in films and TV shows where you see arrows blotting out the sun. Uh, and I just think it's it's a very, very, like, it's, it's a card which you can read and you can feel, like, you can hear it, you can imagine what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's another contender for me here was Harness Infinity. Because again, it's just like it's called Harness Infinity, and it has this. It actually is quite a bad card, um, <laughs> but the artwork is amazing and it sounds incredible. But Blot Out the Sky just takes it for me because I for the wordplay. <laughs> yeah, fair. And also, I think Blot Out the Sky in Commander, which really is where you'd play it, that's kind of game ending and game winning which i think could do different things because sometimes you can just get rid of everything and people just go oh well i'm gonna scoop because i can't do anything but even if people say no i can come back from this the creatures you make are flyers and that's what makes a big difference because Mm -hmm. in the time that people are trying to rebuild their whole board because it um well it, it if you pay x to create your inklings and if x is six or more you destroy all non-creature, non-land permanents. So that wipes pretty much everything from uh, everyone's well, board. Well, not creatures, um, which is... Oh, um, non-creature. Yeah, I've yeah, totally read that wrong. Mm-hmm. But actually um, still, then it being flies is even better. Yes, yeah. It makes a bunch of evasive threats. It can get rid of, you know, there's just the upside uh, of destroying non-creature, non-land permanents because you are going to mm. have the biggest board now, probably. Um, so yeah, super neat card, and I think it mm-hmm. definitely takes the storm you ever blasphemous act for one simple reason, Sarah. Wordplay. No. It's from Strixhaven. No. Either of those. Not either <laughs> of those, because I wanted to pick flashback for my favourite set mechanic. Right. And you said that I couldn't because flashback was not new this year; it was reprinted. Well, I've blasphemous, never heard of blasphemous act. act. Is a reprint. It was not. I've never heard of blas- blasphemous act, so I don't know what you're talking about. I I have played it in my pirates Grixis EDH deck against you for the last two or three years. Nah, I only saw it the last <laughs> yes. year. No, no. Okay, well, I didn't know that. If that is true, then yeah, your one takes it because I do think it should just be cards that were printed this year. But I didn't. I did not realize blasphemous act had been printed before. So yeah, yeah. on a it's technicality. A... You can have the win. <laughs> Fine. Um, okay, what's next? Um, I think we're coming to our final one, mm-hmm. which is artwork. And spoiler alert, we did actually pick the same one for this. We did, yeah. Should, should we just talk about that one? 
yeah and then I'll give um my sort of secondary one that I picked but I, your one has one because it was also my favorite one um I didn't realize we were picking an overall favorite otherwise I wouldn't have even picked a second one um so you can feel free to talk about the winner okay so um my nomination is golden ratio again another Strixhaven card um uh the artist is Alex Branwin so congratulations, Alex. Alex, uh, and this is just—it's—it's it's just. So you have to look at the flavor and the name of the card and what the golden ratio is in real life to really appreciate the artwork. Um, but the golden ratio is a number. It's like one point one six, whatever something. I can't really remember. Um, but it is a ratio that shows up in natural measurements like animals and life. Um, and it's it's kind of an enigma because I don't think there's a really good explanation for why everything fits into this kind of ratio, um, but it does, and it's kind of an unexplained quirk of uh, of biological mathematics. Um, golden ratio is, is a pretty weak card, but the artwork depicts a bunch of different animals and the. Uh, so there's a giant squid in the picture, and the head of the giant squid is twisting into the spiral that is commonly used to represent the golden ratio in art. So if you look at something like um, it's um, Da Vinci's picture of a man, is, uh, is that what it's called? Diagram of a man or something? Um I know what you mean. I couldn't tell you what it's called. Diagram of a man sounds more likely than picture of a man. It is. Oh, sorry. It's, it's Da Vinci's Vitruvian man. That's what it's called. Um, and if you look at the Vitruvian man, you can see the spiral um, and the circles that uh, and, and the idea behind the Vitruvian man is that it's anatomically drawn to perfect proportions according to the golden ratio. Um, and it's like very mathematically pleasing. Um, and I just think that this, when you, when you appreciate what the meaning of the golden ratio is, then the artwork is just gorgeous. Like it's just gorgeous. And there's also some hidden, hidden stuff in there. So there's a bunch of animals. And I think, I think there are some like hidden Easter eggs in there as well. Like, I think there might be like a mage hunter in the back or and some animals that don't actually exist in real life but exist in magic's history and so i just it's just it's, it's beautiful it's it's a really really nice um really really nice artwork yes i concur and it does win the stormy um but i will just mention my my second one which i went down a totally different avenue for um, just for like the shock effect, um, and it is Abomination of Lanawar. Yeah. Because it's just one of those cards where you initially look at it and it's horrific, but then you just you look at it more and you look at all the little individual faces and it's just horrid. Yeah, it gets more horrific. Yeah, the yeah. longer you look at it. And I kind of like that, whether it's horrific or, or beautiful or, or whatever it is, like what, the more you look at something, if it has, like you said, little Easter eggs or just things that you don't notice the first time round, I think it's great. I mean, it's terrible, horrendous, the stuff of nightmares. But that is really cool. It does take second place to Golden Ratio because that was my first choice, but I feel like I wanted to mention it. Because it is pretty dope artwork. Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. It's it's quite a immediately impactful. The flavor text just adds more layers of horror mm -hmm. to the artwork, um, and it just gets worse the longer. You, it does because you, you sort it. of look at it and you go straight to the the front face first, and mm -hmm. that is quite horrific anyway. But then you kind of look at the other faces, and then you kind of realize what. Ha why they are like that and then even the hands sort of looking a little bit wood like I think like branch like it's just yeah. great so the the problem with these cards with like these shocking cards uh, and in ho I guess horror themed artwork and this is only a problem for me really because I'm a giant baby 
Um, <laughs> but they just tilt me to the point yeah, where... Great. Imagine like, that as a play, Matt. This is, what, this is exactly what I mean. <laughs> I once played a guy um, in like a casual FNM who had a fallen shinobi playmat. Oh, yeah. And I, like, I was just trying to play across the table from this guy, and he's he's playing, like, mono blue tempo, uh, and so I need, to pay, I need to pay attention to what he's doing. And there's just this, like, dead zombie face eyes, isn't it? staring at me, you. yeah. And it's, like, yeah. nearly life-size because it's printed on a playmat. That's true, it's a playmat, yeah, And it's true. so tilting. And I just, I, yeah, <laughs> just give me neutral, nice artwork <laughs> that doesn't make me feel like I'm being stared at. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it does a really good job of being unnerving, which is exactly what it's mm-hmm. trying to do. Um, okay, so Golden Ratio takes the Stormy. Yes. And that brings us to the close of the ceremony. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to wrap it up there. But if you at home have any other nominations or cards that you think should have been given an honorable mention, should have been considered for a Stormy, or make up your own Stormy and, and assign a different card the winner, whatever you want. Yeah. Just tweet us whatever you decide at ChatterStormPod. We would love to know your best and worst from 2021 in Magic. Yes, we would. And, um, well, that's it. That's the last episode for this year. So yeah. mm-hmm. next time we catch you guys, it'll be 2022. And uh, maybe we can think about what's in store for that. Yeah. So happy new year, everybody. Uh, Christmas will already be gone by the time you hear this. So happy new year. And we will catch you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. writing an essay did you hear the bit where i said shh no the audio cut off did you hear but okay all right but you heard at that time when i said shh what